0: Welcome everybody to that episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode at 357. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacey. That is at Patton 89 on Twitter. Stacey, how are you doing on this uh, rather frigid Tuesday morning?
1: Uh, Victory Tuesday. Um, only one game I watched yesterday that I can recall. <laughs> so, uh, doing pretty well.
0: Yes. Uh, I Yeah, I think you probably blacked out until like, well, like, Eleven, eleven p.m. yesterday, yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened before that, so I <laughs> uh, totally believe you. Uh, and uh, we are joined, uh, not a first time guest, but a first time in a long time. His name is Ariel Pacheco. You can follow him on Twitter at apacheconba. Ariel, how are you doing today?
2: Doing good. I, I can't complain. Not an Eagles fan like Stacy, <laughs> so I think I'm doing better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh yeah i think i think you are i think anybody that's on an eagles is doing better than they are today um that was uh, i'm i'm not gonna like belabor the point but the funniest thing about that game is that dk Metcalf literally did nothing he did fucking nothing the entire game and then on the last drive was like well i guess i'll just fucking turn it on right now yeah <laughs> it was for-
1: like the it was the literal embodiment <laughs> of that time he ran back to like force the fumble <laughs> <laughs> well the thing. so i had a i was
0: in my fantasy football playoffs Is like started right so it was in the quarterfinal and i needed fucking like i needed like two points yesterday and i had him and i had goddard and like goddard gets two catches on the first drive so i'm like down 0.1 points these two guys did nothing they did nothing until the third quarter and so i'm just sitting there being like am i really gonna lose this because fucking eagles don't throw to anybody anymore other than aj brown and Devonte smith and because dk Metcalf decided to like take the night off uh but then goddard caught a
1: pass for which was actually like a three yard loss that put yeah, me over the, the top fucking screen passes <laughs> uh no for me it was even worse i was i had kenneth walker and i was facing aj brown and i didn't think i had i had the charges defense i forgot to sub out christian watson i had a disaster week I lost by two points, and like at the end of the game, I was like, "All right, if Kenneth Walker scores here, I win." But I mean, but the Eagles lose, so I got the worst of both worlds, right? Like, Eagles still lost, and of course, they threw it to fucking the other, uh, the other former rival, uh, I guess. And so, uh, yeah, worst of all worlds. But hey, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks saved the night, so.
0: Yes, the fix did save the night, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Before we get started, i would to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. post all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Maybe even leave us a comment. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it. You can find that. That's on our website. At www.thestrick.land, there's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store, and you can find all kinds of cool stuff t shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles you name it, we've got it. And finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I was served to the prize. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast hosted by Andrew Steele, aka Doug, along with Zach Ladder. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to. Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next year more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Merner, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strickland NFL, which you guessed it, is our newest podcast, which is about the NFL. That is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and 100 dollars tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co hosting a podcast alongside yours truly whatever whether you choose to subscribe or not, must be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA upcoming fights and NHL games of the season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code believe, BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but I am not where the game starts. Um, it's funny. You mentioned the screen passes that the Eagles were throwing yesterday, and I saw – I don't know who it is. It might be Shane Half on Twitter. He was, like, highlighting it because he's like, look, Devontae Smith tries to block, but he can't fucking block on these plays, and they just keep getting blown up. And I saw that this morning while I was taking my morning crap, and uh, I – I immediately thought to myself, wow, that's kind of like starting Jericho Sims at center because Jericho Sims can do like he, I actually think he's, I I genuinely lose. I think that he looks like not an NBA player right now playing that starting lineup because his weaknesses are actually exacerbated by everything that's kind of happening in that lineup right now uh, with Grimes also missing time. And the fact that quite honestly, Brunson and Randall, Randall, you know, obviously his effort wanes and waxes and wanes, but uh, Brunson, whether his effort is there or not, he's always going to be somewhat of a minus. You have to cover for these guys. RJ is playing better defensively this year, but he's not somebody who's going to play above the scheme. Um, so he's just going to execute his role and that's about it. But you're not getting help from anybody really. Um, and and it, it's like, you know, it's frustrating because obviously I think, look, he's a very athletic guy Um, and I think when you if you played him off the bench a lot of his weaknesses would be mitigated and he could probably be a lot more aggressive in terms of blitzing switching all that type of stuff and that's just not available to him in the starting lineup so um, look he gets hurt on literally the like the first play of the game on the fucking jump ball Uh, he goes out early and I'm not trying to shit on him but that probably saved the game for the Knicks because there's no way they win this game with Jericho Sims playing his normal center rotation minutes, um, and Isaiah Hartenstein was an absolute
1: monster last night. MVP uh, of the game is it fair to say, or for the it, it was or- him? It,
0: for me, it was either him or Randall because, and I know Brunson closed out the game well, and I know quickly was huge, but like I thought, both those guys played like that game was. I I I know the Knicks got more like free throws than. Then the Lakers. think They shot 10 more. So this might seem like, Oh, you're just saying this because the Knicks got a better result. Like I had genuinely thought that this is one of the best officiated games I've watched this year. Um, I thought they let them play through most of the appropriate contact aside from that bullshit ass Austin Reeves and one he got in the fourth quarter. Um, but like I had no problem with, I, I thought this game was played extremely physically on both ends um, inside. And I thought they let them play that way. And once you let, like, you need guys that can match that. Uh, and I thought H- Hartenstein and I thought Randall and, and Josh Hart, for that matter, um, were really physical right from the start of the game. And they matched kind of the energy that LA was bringing initially. And, um man, like, look, Julius Randall, he got, what, four stitches at halftime on his lip. Isaiah Hartenstein probably got elbow in the face 15 times. Uh, I think Brunson got knocked, like, right underneath his right eye also. So they they really, like, it wasn't just like, oh, like, they it wasn't just like an effort thing. Like, they really were um, in a battle, and those two dudes were awesome. So, yeah, I mean, like, if you want to say hardenstein just kind of given the circumstances, sure. Uh, I think Julius Randle played something like 43 minutes in this game. He played what felt like the entire first half.
1: I think he sat for, like, what, two well, minutes t- or something. Tibbs matched it was a him weird thing. You, imagine, yeah, and and that, it, you had to because you can't put heart on LeBron. Or well, it was or, it you know, was like also
0: it, it was also a weird thing because Sims getting hurt meant Hartenstein had to come in earlier, and then he had to like mess around with like the fucking like he was like okay
1: is Todd just gonna play now and I didn't really like there are a lot of times I'll kill Tibbs for was, like, was, was Todd Gibson gets minutes on the New York Knicks in 2023-24 on your bingo card or kind of. Maybe like, yeah, like (laughs) once he was like, I know he already got minutes in the the previous game. Like once, well, I mean, once he was a free agent, I was kind of (laughs) like,
2: it was a matter of when, not if at that point (laughs) one
0: last ride, (laughs) Tosh until next year. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, look, I, I just thought this was such an awesome win for them as a team individually, obviously like everybody in some way contributed um and like they've had two wins on this road trip that you know look they're not they're obviously not at 100 percent without Mitch I think they're still kind of like finding their defensive identity whatever you want to call it they've had some really you know they lost by 20 to the Clippers they've had some big time losses uh to, to some of the better teams in the league but I think on this road trip you know the win against Phoenix and the win especially last night like These are two wins that I thought, like, they had to really dig deep to, like, get these wins uh, in the way they did. And um, that's the resilience that you're kind of, like, you know, you became accustomed to last year from seeing from this team. And you're kind of like, I don't know, are they like – but, you know, seeing these two games on the West Coast trip and the way they responded, right, you lose a really disappointing game to Utah. You bounce back. You beat Phoenix. You lose, you know, kind of – I mean, it was not a pretty uncompetitive game against the Clippers for the last half of it. Um, And then you bounce back, you beat the Lakers. Um, Two and two on this road trip, like, yeah, it's annoying to lose that Utah game, but you told me two and two for the road trip, I think everybody would have been like,
1: yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I didn't see them winning that Suns game. Um, I do want to shout out um, the narrative that, that was spouted was the Knicks never have the best player on the floor. Um, they lack star power. You know, during a stretch where they were giving up multiple 140 point games, that's all we heard about. Um, and so, what I'm going to say is this: Anthony Davis was a monster in the paint, and everyone was. I mean, R- like R- that's just a bad RJ matchup. He is a paint centric guy against a guy who's just it's it's not much you can do with Anthony Davis. But there was one guy who was relentlessly hitting floaters. He had that one crazy right handed finish. I don't know if you remember from the first half uh Brunson did uh, on AD in the air. And I think it's worth saying this, and you'll appreciate this, Schwinn He wasn't afraid of the shogun, but the shogun was afraid of him. Maybe that was the <laughs> problem. And uh and Brunson deserves that shout out. Um I think it was a team effort. Um I on the first watch, I didn't I wasn't as impressed with the defense as most people were. I thought they still go up 41 three-pointers. Um, you know, it, it's fair to say, you know, and the, and the Lakers missed some some good looks. Um, the Knicks have definitely been due for a team not shooting the lights out, and they've definitely been due for Turian Prince not shooting the lights out. Um, so I'll that, definitely man. take that <laughs> um, after <laughs> last year. Um, but on the rewatch, a lot of the buckets they were getting were just Bron being Bron and AD being AD. You know, there's like, they built the wall, and Bron was just, he's able to score there, right? There's, you know, they, I, and I think to your point, I think there was a concerted effort not to foul. Um, I think they, they were willing to let other guys beat them. They're going to beat the wall, but they're going to make the wall, but they wanted to stay out of foul trouble, not just to avoid putting LeBron and AD on the line, but once you get into the, the penalty, right now, Austin Reeves is getting to the line. Now Prince is getting to the line. And those guys' efficiencies are going to be much better if they have to actually, you know, get points that way. So I thought that was a concerted effort. Um, the, the effort in general was way better. Um, and, um, you know the um, the effort in general was was better from everyone to a, to a man. I thought Randall played one of his better defensive games. Um, I'm a little bit I don't want to say concerned. <laughs> what worries me during the mid stretch is that you know they're still gonna they're they're not gonna be locked down on defense. And you did need 39 minutes from Hartenstein. You did need everyone locked in, and that is a and that's what Tibbs has been great at throughout his career is getting guys to like really lock in on defense, especially. And play every night. That's that's how the Knicks have "quote unquote" overachieved in the eyes of the media, uh, because despite having "quote unquote" no star, right? Um, and I thought that, um, and and what what is I don't want to say concerning, but how much can you rely on that? Especially now that you're shorthanded. Um, especially guys like Hart have been banged up here and there, right? Now you really only have one guy who can play significant minutes at center. Um, I disagree a little – I don't want to say I disagree, Shwin. I definitely think Sims has played Warren's criticism. I do think if he just doesn't start, like if he's not playing against Anthony Davis or Giannis or those guys, I think he's playable. Um, But I do – like I think the concern is – like, and and the reality is this. The schedule is tough. I mentioned this a bunch. Until you get to mid-February, coincidentally when uh, when Mitch comes back, if they can just tread water, stay a few games over 500 – um, I think Knicks fans are gonna to have to be patient like that. And that means it's one game they're gonna be like, Yeah, we beat the Lakers. The next game we gave up 150 to the Clippers. You're gonna have those swings. But I just think that's kind of what you have to expect, at least until the schedule opens up and Mitch gets back. And the only thing I really am worried about is um is one, there's just the defense can only be so good missing their best player. And two, you know, is it is it going to take its toll having to come up with this kind of effort consistently? Yeah, and just just last thing on that. Um Also,
0: like, just needs to be said. Like, if you want to give Hartenstein the game MVP because, like, he, you know, he kind of stepped into the the void and elevated his game against a really, really tough matchup. Uh, You know, Anthony Davis has been playing awesome and he was awesome last night. Sure. But Julius Randle was the best player on the floor last night, probably. Like, I I genuinely believe. game with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah, He Um, was probably the best player on the floor. He hit the biggest shot of the game. They didn't, no, they played,
2: didn't,
0: yeah no they they played they were they wanted to win that game you could tell they were like that was not like a you caught you know LeBron and ad on uh on a night where they maybe stayed out at the club too long last night or something you know like no like they, they were trying to win that game and Randall had the biggest shot of the game over ad which was a ridiculous shot from the corner um you know he I just he I can't I really like he also came up with that fucking tie up on LeBron which was insane like
1: oh, yeah. I that was a crazy play. Of course he got that call at the stable Center too, right? Normally that's a yeah.
0: Foul. I mean that's what I'm saying. I thought that and I I think it was the right call. I don't think he fouled him. I think he legit grabbed the ball and it was a tie up. Um, I thought like oh. again that took they officiated the game really well. But like they like look, he was you're 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 not going to get mo- a, a lot of nights where I think, like I'll say this, like there's a couple possessions to start the game where Julius on defense is just like standing there. Um, But like really aside from that, you're not going to get many nights where the effort is like this and, and not just from him, from any player. So uh that was a tremendous performance by Julius Randall. And considering how much I've killed him, I think it's only fair to, To point out when he plays like that um and and i do think that the short mid-range stuff that he's kind of cashing in on right now this feels like the the best version of like we've seen all these various versions of julius randall this feels like the one that's best and and also maybe the one that gives him the best chance to translate his game into the playoffs Uh, i'm curious about what you think about that ariel
2: yeah, he, he's he been really, like, imposing as well, just in his style of play, that that short mid-range you mentioned. Like, yesterday he had, like, a pretty, like, um nasty floater, uh, and he pulled that out of the bag, and I was like, oh, that's impressive. And it was, like, over Anthony Davis, too. Um, you yeah, mentioned he that, like, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that, like, it's, like, different versions of Randall. I feel like at the start of, like, every season, he kind of just, like, spins a wheel, and he's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to be this year. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of wild. But, um... I, I think overall, land the
0: team, and it lands on being an asshole. I think we're
2: <laughs> it's like a one in 10 chance, of the <laughs> but um, I, I think that like overall you, you guys all touched on like, really good points, especially like, the thing with Sims, where I think when you start him instead of like bringing him off the bench, you're kind of like making him cover for a lot of the mistakes that like Mitch was covering for. It, it's just like shoes that are too big for him to fill. I think at this point in his career, um. And I think that a subtle thing they did yesterday too was putting RJ on Russell, which is like at the point of attack, which I don't think RJ is like this, you know, elite like point of attack defender, but I think when you switch Dante off to off the ball, you're kind of flexing his strengths a little bit more, which kind of also helps the defense. Um, I, I think that it was kind of like, I mean, it sucks to see anybody get hurt, but I agree with Shweeney that like it kind of did help their defense in the long run of that game. Um, uh, but again it was just like an impressive win just because I felt like they really battled. Like you could see like quickly was, was really trying out there. Hartenstein was giving it, it as all Randall, Brunson all had their moments. It was like a really like kind of encouraging win, especially coming off like even that win against Phoenix felt like, like Brunson kind of just took over and won that game. But this felt like more of like a team effort, like they, they kind of did it all together. So so it was really encouraging to see overall.
0: Yeah. Um to your point. About Randall had a play yesterday, which like he just it was definitely he definitely got away with a foul there, but he just fucking tossed D'Angelo Russell to the side. Uh, that was I, I actually you know, what I, you know what
1: I was actually thinking of um, when I saw that play, like in general, Julius, it's like that Marshawn Lynch clip where he's like over <laughs> and over and over and over. And the guy's like, is that a metaphor? And he's like, run through a motherfucker's face. And that's like all Julius did last night against. And sometimes yeah. I like stay away from Anthony Davis, please. Let's there are easier avenues, but um, it was it was a very controlled aggression from Julius. That um, that you know yeah. when he strikes that balance, he's really tough to defend.
0: Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, like I I know this, like I know this because his box yesterday at every single point of the game was absurd. But like you know he has that play. I think it was like. Might have been in, I don't even know what it was I think it was late in the first half uh, where he like gets the rebound and he has a chance to push he could pass it forward but instead he tries to like he's like Austin Reeves is on him so he tries to you know take like push it on Reeves and you know he ends up doing the spin move re pokes it away and he Randall ends up knocking it out and those are the places you're like just fucking pass the ball like whatever but like you kind of have to like you almost have to just accept. You're gonna get like two or three of those a game, if the rest of it is worth it. Because the rest of it right now is definitely worth it. Uh, what did he have? How many assists did he even have yesterday? I don't know, like by the first half, I wanted to say he had like six. Um, I, again, like he he was he and and look, you say whatever you want about his play style and him as a player, and you know I've been critical of him. A lot of people have been critical of him,
1: but like have you seen him? I don't remember yeah, that.
0: A few times, but like, but he was so dominant in the first half yesterday and mind you this is a team that has Anthony Davis and LeBron James he was so dominant in that first half they completely changed their entire defensive scheme at halftime to take Randall out of the game like they started playing way more zone they were collapsed like that that's why the game like he he I don't even know how many scored in the second half to be honest it wouldn't surprise me if he scored like single digits but he like the the that that tells you something about <clears throat> when he's good, his good is at a level where teams really have to change what their initial game plan was to adjust for that. Um and and I think what made it so impressive yesterday is and maybe it just helped probably that he was so fucking exhausted by the end of the game that he was just like, dude, I Jalen, this is you'd bring us home, baby. Um but like He didn't force it throughout the second half just because he had it in the first half. Um, I thought most of the shots he ended up taking were good shots. You know, he, yeah, sure, he had a couple of decisions where you're like, "Uh, can you just move the ball really quick or whatever? But like, most, for the most part, he played within himself. And I think that allowed like other guys to kind of, you know, you know, what's the Lord of the Rings one? Share the load. Like, like they actually, had the opportunity, you know, I thought quickly had a good second half, uh, third quarter. I thought he was really big. Hartenstein was obviously massive throughout the game. Um, you know, Brunson really, really found it in the fourth quarter, but like, it was just nice to see him start a game, dominate, force the team to, you know, uh, force the opponent to have to switch up how they were doing it, uh, defending him and then allowing others to benefit from that and not trying to force it himself. Um, and the one thing can if the Knicks could ever close the first half like reasonably, that would be nice. That would be very impressive. I mean, and
1: the, there there were, I don't want to say extending circumstances, but like it was weird. It was out weird. There. yeah, there. Um, yeah. it was a lot of the effects you have Randall wasn't out there. Yeah, Randall wasn't out there. Um, I mean, I, I think Hartenstein starting makes a lot of sense. I think you you brought up a good point with Randall um, you know, letting you know playing through other guys, being willing to trust the pass. I think quickly is important to bring up there because I actually, I think they've like developed some really good chemistry uh, for the last couple of years, really. Um, I think that the on off with quickly has always been better for Randall because quickly is a good floor spacer. And his first year, the other player uh, who was starting for the Knicks was not much of a floor spacer at that position, um, to say the least. But I'm going to drop some numbers and, um, you know, We've debated quickly starting a lot. I think one thing we've talked about is, um, you know, you know, I think one question I've had is like, you know, whether it's Grimes or DiVincenzo, we saw, right? Grimes went to the bench, DiVincenzo starts. It's the same thing. Grimes starts playing a lot better. DiVincenzo's taking two or three shots a half. Um, so I was just like, you know, at that point, are you basically just wasting quickly um, or any player in that position because they're just not going to get the usage? So this is only with Randall though, and I want to I want to mention this. So when in the minutes that Randall plays, so Grimes has played four hundred and forty minutes with Randall, eighty four without him, right? So when Grimes plays with Randall, his usage is eleven point seven percent, which is extremely low. It almost doubles to about twenty two when he uh, in eighty four minutes without Randall, right? So clearly Grimes gets a lot more touches off the bench. Chenzo is at 17% with or without Randall, basically the same. Quickly, without Randall, as you would expect, is at 26.9 usage. He is running those bench units in 284 minutes. In 315 minutes with Randall, he actually is usage only goes down to about 22.3. Still probably lower than you want Emmanuel Quickly's usage, but that's higher than they get from that spot with other shooting guards. So quickly, if you start him, can give you – and we saw that, right? It ended hilariously bad because he tried to take a contested midi over 80 and airballed it, but he actually waved off Brunson and Randall to ISO late yeah. in the fourth, and I thought Tibbs was going to kill him after that, but he's earned the trust, I think, from the other guys in that lineup, particularly Brunson and Randall, but obviously RJ has always trusted him as well. Um, I, I think that's a change that's going to happen sooner or later, not to harp on it, but I think that's something we've debated – I'm curious to your thoughts on that Ariel, too. Do you think that, um, and we all want quickly to play more. Do you think it's a situation where he's earned enough where he can really maintain his usage, even if he's playing with the starters, you know, with Brunson and Randall, still like, you know, do more than maybe the guys in that position usually are asked to do.
2: I don't know. I go back and forth on it. To be quite honest, They're like last night, he closed the game out with that exact lineup with the with like projected starting lineup if he was the shooting guard. And again, like his ability to like toggle on and off the ball and, and space the floor when he's off it and then make things happen when he's on it. I, I think it would kind of help the starting lineup just in terms of of like always having another guy who can create a, it is always a, a positive. But I I would trust it more if I trusted like Tibbs to like manage like staggering those guys, all four of those guys a little bit better than he has this season. I think one of the biggest issues isn't even just, like, the amount of minutes guys are getting. It's just, like, the, the fact that they're they're only playing essentially in, like, one or two lineups, and then that's about it until the fourth quarter, and whatever five guys are playing the best, you know, including Randall and Brunson, were like, automatics in the closing lineup. But um I, I just think that when you go from, like, quickly comes in at around, what, the four-minute mark, let's say, of the first quarter, comes out around, like, the seven-minute mark, six minute mark of the second quarter and then you just don't see him again until the end of the third and I think that's the issue is that you're going what like 15 minutes of the game or something with with your one of your like top three or four best players like not seeing the floor so I I think that like that's the frustrating part for me and and has been for me this season is just um feeling like that a lot of guys kind of get frozen out like even there's been games this season where even Dante starting a couple games ago and he hits like three or four threes in the first quarter. And then you don't see him again until like the very end of the second quarter. And I think he kind of freezes guys out doing that. Um, But I kind of avoided your question. I do think that at this point, I'm kind of at the point where I'd rather see the Knicks just kind of start their best guys and just roll with it and figure it out from there. Um, Especially without Mitch, I think they kind of need that quickly his ability to communicate on defense his ability to cover for mistakes. Um, I, I think just having another guy in there that can make things easier and lessen the responsibility of like what Randall has to do on defense and what Brunson has to do on defense. I, I think overall, it'll be like a major plus to the lineup, even if his usage does suffer enough. I, I do think that, that getting Brunson off the ball a little bit more might be a ben- might be beneficial as well. Um, so I think there are, there are some positives that could
1: come about seeing him start. And and again, I'll mention like the usage goes down, but it's still twenty three, which is a yeah. lot higher than Grimes and DiVincenzo, right? So it's not like he's he's not on corner duty. Um, I am curious. Do you think you know, given the size, you know, if, if the if defense is kind of the prevailing thought here, um, I think Quickie's a better off ball defender than Grimes. But Grimes is no slouch there, and he's obviously bigger, a little bit more physical. Um, you know, would you think that maybe if that was the prevailing sentiment, or do you still think quickly, maybe even on defense, the best option?
2: I I don't buy that just because he's he's a better defender like overall than Dante, and Dante's at the point of attack right now. Well, besides last game, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people that is as concerned with the Nick size. I think that than most people are. Um, I, I think they actually don't lean into it enough. I, I think it's kind of like one of their positive things that they can kind of exploit a little bit more. I wish they would kind of make teams match up to their um to to what they're trying to do a little bit more. I think like playing RJ at the 4 a little bit more like when when Hart got ejected against the Clippers I believe it was and they ran lineups with RJ at the 4. We saw lineups that we hadn't seen all season and it was fun to kind of like explore that and see what guys are capable of in different situations. So for me I, I'm I'm all for kind of leaning into your strengths and the Knicks have a bunch of guys that are maybe a little bit smaller than you want them to be, but they're all pretty good at playing up in size defensively. Hard plays up in size defensively. Um, Grimes can, to a certain extent. Um, I think quickly he battles, even though he has kind of gotten picked on I think the past couple of games um, just in the post and stuff. But I I think if you force teams to go into the post and, and like, if it's like Westbrook going into the post against quickly or he went against Brunson as well, like, I live with those possessions because I think in the end, you're kind of taking the opposing team out of their flow, out of their rhythm to kind of just isolate this one specific mismatch. So, um, again, I think I don't have a concern with the size at all. Yeah,
0: uh, I don't – I mean, I don't even really care. I really don't care if he starts or not. It's just like he needs to play 28 or 30 minutes a night. So it doesn't matter to me how it happens. And I really not like interested in harping on like it's oh, the starter this or that thing. Like, but he needs to play twenty or thirty minutes because, like, they they win his minutes every fucking year by like in a, in a landslide. And that this is regardless he can play with Alec Burks, he can play with Jalen Brunson, he can play with Derrick Rose, he can play with you know fucking old man Todd Gibson. Like he can play with anybody. And th- that team for whatever reason always wins his minutes in massive fashion. Like, and you know again like I, I think. Sometimes we get really caught up in like. Sometimes I think impact can be conflated with like, stardom, right? And like, what what is stardom? So like, who's a star? What's a star? Like, I don't know if Emmanuel quickly can ever be like carrying the, uh, the a top level offense on high usage the way that like say like a Tyrese Maxey does, right? I have no idea.
1: But like, he did I a do know. Question last year when Brunson was out though. 20
0: yeah, yeah, he over. did. So so maybe it's possible. I have no idea. But but I do know this. I do know that when he's on the floor, the guys who are definitely entrusted with carrying the Knicks offense magically seem to play better. And this happens every season. So at some point, maybe you should prioritize a guy playing more with those with those players because he gets the most out of them too. And even if you're worried about like, oh, well, we need somebody to lead the bench unit, you already stagger with RJ. So we already know that you can do this. So so you can just do the same thing with quickly too, if you need to. Uh, it's Uh It doesn't take away from that. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning in terms of like staggering the lineups or whatever. I'm not sure. I, I know that yesterday he was definitely matching up Julius's minutes with LeBron. Um, But it might be something to consider to like flip Julius and RJ's rotations a little bit because... I haven't I haven't really liked that RJ with the bench lineup in a little bit. Um, it just feels like it feels like a little disjointed. I, I'm not sure. Like RJ's not he's not in a good rhythm right now either. So like that's affecting it. Like I think it's he's like very up and down at the moment in time. Um and like I don't know, Randall's playing a lot better now, so he probably is better suited to like kind of be the co-carrier of a lineup line when Brunson is out with quickly. Um, though I do I do understand, like, the idea of, like, it, it's not easy to match up those minutes and figure out how you're going to do that. But, like, I think it's worth considering because I thought yesterday was, like, I don't know, I just thought they played really, really well in both abs, those groups. Um, and I know they didn't start the fourth quarter off well offensively, but that kind of is the point where it's, like, they didn't start the fourth quarter off well, off, well offensively. And I think by the time Brunson came back in, they'd scored maybe like four points but they're only they only lost three points off the lead they're only up seven at that point instead of ten so like that kind of just drives home that like that bench group the defense has been pretty solid with rj or with randall i think your offensive ceiling though with randall in that group is probably a little is definitely higher do you
2: do you before you guys answer that um Are you concerned would you be concerned at all what that does for like RJ in terms of like his on ball touches if he's not getting run with the bench unit?
0: I'll be completely honest, like I don't I don't know that RJ needs to have on ball touches super max. Like if his on ball touches are on par with Emmanuel quickly, like I'm I'm fine with that. I, I don't think he needs to be to me, he shouldn't be on a different level right now. You know, if he has it going on a certain night or for a stretch, yeah, absolutely. Fucking give him give him more. But, like, right now, like, I, he hasn't established a level of consistency or impact offensively where I think that he needs to be guaranteed, like, the third most touches on the team every single night. Um, because there's just, like, I mean, look, for their careers, quickly shoots better from the field. He shoots better from three. He has a higher true shooting. He has a higher effective field goal percentage. Like, he's been more efficient. And I know, like, yeah, of course, the playoffs happened and RJ played better than quickly did, sure. But, like, we're just talking about the regular season here. In the regular season, from what we've seen, there's really not much of an argument that, like, there's some huge benefit of RJ getting uh, a higher share of touches and a higher share of usage and a higher share of, you know, just offensive importance um, than quickly. And like honestly, I think RJ might. I, I, I that more I watch, and like the more I, you know, look, it's his fifth year. It's just like, would he benefit from maybe being asked to do less and being tasked to do to do less? Because, um, you still see a lot of like the questionable decision making. I do want to say like I I didn't love his offensive decision making performance or at all at all yesterday, but like, um, I thought his defense in the second half was really good. Like I, I thought he did a really I good saw job.
1: The last foul, but yeah
0: Yeah, and and i'll say this like i know that everybody's like how do you follow three-point shooter i think it's really easy to say that um and and if he let's say let's say he doesn't contest that three at all because he's like fuck if i contest it's i'm gonna foul him if reeves hits the three people are gonna kill him for that too so like i just it was a good effort to get around
1: uh yeah
2: i
0: i I really i really wasn't upset about it I, i just thought like it, look, it, we can all do the Clyde thing of like, oh, come on, man, how are you going to foul a three-point shooter? It's the dumbest foul in the league. But it's like, yeah, but magically it happens every fucking night, you know? Like, it's it's hard. It's really hard. He he was trying to make the right plays, trying. You, you know, I, I'll take the effort like that all the time. I, if if he fucks up, fine, he fucks up. But like, I'll take that effort, and I'll I'll, I'll be fine with that because I, I just thought his defensive effort overall in the second half was really good uh there was actually a possession where i forgot who was somebody they kind of like set a little screen for ad in the mid-range for him to pop out and he had a he had a wide-ass open jumper because Hardenstein went under and after the play you could see rj like like look at Hartenstein like like what the fuck dude you have to get out there like that's anthony davis you probably can't just give anthony davis a wide open 17 footer um but like just you know whether you think like well rj is the wrong messenger for that or not like i just think it's good when you see guys invest like that yeah they're invested and he's pointing out like to me like he was right like hardenstein can't just fucking go under on anthony davis from 17 feet like that's a layup for him you know he's like that's that's literally a layup so um i I just thought his effort was really good he grabbed a pretty big like a like a contested uh defensive rebound in the fourth quarter that felt big in the moment um but just in general like I, i thought he played really well defensively and in, this season overall, his defense has been better, which I think is helping. Like, like the offensive kind of, uh, I I know the numbers look a little bit better than they were last year, but like, it still feels on aggregate like he's still very up and down on that end. But if you can just play at a pretty consistent defensive level, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. And I thought yesterday, second half defense, especially on D'Angelo Russell, was. I mean, he he pretty much locked him up. So,
1: yeah, and I'll add to that. So, kind of getting back to your your point, Ariel, I don't necessarily see his most like he he does well with that bench unit, but I don't think it's because he gets on ball in like the kind of you know operate from the middle. You're running the offense, right? He still loves to come off that pistol. Uh, you know, he only scored three baskets yesterday. One of them was off a nice cut to the middle. I think there's a few things in that bench lineup that help him. One, he's not carrying the whole load. And the guy he's with is quickly who, like you said, can toggle on and off ball. They can run some stuff together. The other guy at the four, like Randall is a better player than Hart. I'm not questioning that. Randall's a better shooter than Hart. But Hart is actually his most underrated skill is probably his ability to move and cut and create those opportunities. Distract a defender so that when Arj is coming downhill to the rim, the guy isn't just waiting. He's in conflict, right? Um, even if Hart isn't the world's greatest floor spacer, I think those are the things that really help RJ get more usage at the bench. Yeah, and of course part of it is he's now away from two very high usage guys. But um but in terms of the on-ball creation stuff, uh, you know, if he if he gets the ball in that side action or against a wrong-footed defender, he's he's become really crafty with his footwork around the rim. Um, but we saw last night like, you know, when he takes like that pull-up jumper from the mid-range, you're like, "Oh, it's not your shot, RJ." that's kind of the point right like if you're going to be an on ball creator you need that in your bag you know he's developed that little floater um that you know when he's got it going and that was a big part of by the way his playoff improvement you know that little within 10 feet he's found a way to be more effective but um until he becomes like either like a super elite uh, or a really really good passer or um or, you know, develops more of a pull-up game, which, I mean, and I'm not going to kill him for experimenting with that because he's probably aware of that, that, you know, to get to the next level, that's what he needs to add. But, I, like, his most effective role, I think fi- you have to figure out ways to to kind of get him in a more of a fluid offense where he can move off ball, where he can get the ball in motion and wrong foot a defender on the closeout without having to, you know, use some, you know, multiple moves or just beat with, like, a, you know, beat with, with burst from like a a good position, right. Beat a set defense. That's so to answer your question. Like I do think it would, it's not ideal for him to not get those bench minutes because he gets more usage there, but I wouldn't, I think calling it on ball is a little bit of a broad stroke. It's a little bit more complex than that. And like, that's why in the starting lineup, I think he doesn't get to do that as much because, because Randall isn't going to cut much because um, Brunson's a solid off ball player, but that's just not how that offense, that starting lineup offense works as much.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, I wasn't like advocating that like RJ's like on ball. He needs these on ball touches because I, I do think he would help from like scaling back a bit. Um my, my point was more so I've always felt like his role with the bench, not not his role with the bench, I don't want this to come off negatively, but I've always felt like it was always kind of like Tibbs throwing him a bone, like, oh, you're coming off the bench. This is kind of your lineup, this is your unit, you know. Even though he's getting the same amount of just quickly, it's always felt like, um, at least from like the Tibbs perspective, is that it was more about getting RJ these touches so that he's okay with like doing the off ball stuff when he's playing with Brunson and Randall in the starting lineup.
0: No, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's pretty much how I see it. And I actually think that's why, like, I I don't, I mean, I don't particularly love that um, as far as like, I, I don't like the idea of like, giving the guy an idea that it's his lineup or something you
1: know like um that's a reality in the nba right to keep guys engaged like you know that well i mean i get that
0: it's fine if you want to keep it engaged but like it's a problem if you're suppressing other guys or you're like you know i don't want i don't know if you want to say rj suppressing quickly or that group or whatever but like they would probably benefit more from I mean, and th- honestly, a lot of it just goes back to RJ decision-making stuff where it's like, look, if he wants to make it his unit, it can be his unit. I don't really give a shit. But like, it can also be your unit because you are taking like two less shots and you're actually cr- kicking out and spraying out to shooters more. Like, there's way for it to still be your, like, I mean, look, he's not going to be LeBron James. But like, watch LeBron, right? Like, LeBron can run a, like, he can run a lineup and it'll just be because he's diamond guys up. Like, it's not because he's putting up seven shots right in a row like there's ways to for it to for you to like be the man and still get other guys involved and i feel like rj and and maybe some of this has to do with Tibbs too because we've seen historically a lot of players when they play for Tibbs, their assist rates drop um and they take more shots in the rim at like at the rim in the paint like they're forcing the shots because those are the shots he wants ultimately and so like maybe some of this is on Tibbs, but at the end of the day like are just the one that's out on the floor making decisions, and um, way too often you're like he's calling his own number instead of just spraying out to somebody that's open for three, or you know he's just forcing action. Like you know there was one yesterday where he drove in like, right at the end of the first half where he like took this ridiculous floater over AD off after an offensive rebound, and it's like I mean he had a pass wide open to Brunson for a three if he wanted it, and he he looked that off to drive and then. Take this like insane floater, which must have been from at least twelve feet out over Anthony Davis, who had already like blocked his shit fucking multiple times in the half. It's just a terrible shot, and it's like those those are the shots where I'm like, who like, wh- why, what goes through your head there? Like, why, how do you think that's the shot in that situation? Like, how, he could have even taken a corner three off that possession if he wanted it, and he passed up on that to drive, and it's just like. The, and, and you take that that one isolated decision um and then you spread that out over more minutes you spread that out in a lineup where you're the man uh i think you get some of like those stretches that actually hurt his overall impact and his efficiency and all that stuff um and i just think scaling back a little bit not, and not even necessarily scaling back you're scaling back or just like really emphasizing with him like hey dude these guys are fucking open like you're why don't you just pass the ball you don't need to force up a shot here like you know what's cool like yeah getting 20 points is cool getting five assists is pretty cool too like let's let's aim for a new well, target I mean, that
1: passing shit comes really easy to a hooper um I, but i wish it did <laughs> um i i think i mean i haven't i haven't really had i i feel like his decision making has been better this year you still have the kind of stuff where you want to pull your hair out um i think to your original point though with randall it's not even so much that I think the bench is. I, I think RJ and Quickly, whatever ups and downs they have, they figure it out. I think they have pretty good chemistry together. It's like, is there a backup four who can, or ba- a bench unit that can effectively defend Julius Randle when he's not like shitting on himself? Like, not really. You know, like, I mean, there aren't a lot of bench centers who can, who are great rim protectors, right? Um, and then you surround him with, again, that lineup has our best perimeter defenders, right? It has Quickly, it has heart. It has grimes now or if it before grimes divincenzo is a solid defender um and we'll see if, if, you, if the other complication now is if you have to play randall with sims i i don't love that front court at all because sims for all is we've talked about this he's not a rim protector right he is very good he's a mobile guy he can jump really high he's a solid weak side shot blocker randall sims i don't so that might be the wrench in this this idea but um, like Randall in theory surrounded by other shooters and defenders. Like that's, that's like, a, and that's something you want to have in your back pocket come playoff time. Like you want to be able to stagger Brunson and Randall, ideally, if you have two all-star level players. So I, I think it might not even be as much about RJ, who I think has been generally better in terms of his process and decision making. Like, I think the reasons why I like him on that bench are a little bit different than, you know, like, as I mentioned, like, I, I think he's just better when he cuts when he's, he's, he's actually turned into a pretty good relocator you know, shot relocator. He's good at creating angles for open threes. Um, but, you know, it's it's also, it, there's something exciting about Randall just being able to, to play against bench guys and to play in all that space and, and have his defensive shortcomings, you know, covered more.
2: Yeah, I think an underrated aspect of, like, the bench unit is how simple they kind of make the game for whoever the ball handlers are. Like, Grimes is going to, Grimes isn't going to act for much. He will sit in his corner and, and, and he'll free himself up for threes. Hart isn't, like, I mean, Hart can get aggressive in transition and, and sometimes a little bit, like, attacking a closeout. But other than that, you know, he's mostly there and he understands that, like, it, it's about creating, like, making things easier for whoever the ball handler is on the floor there. And, and I, I think when, like, Randall's in the bench unit or or RJ's in the bench unit, regardless, I, I think they, they kind of play similarly. And I think that bench unit benefits both of them in pretty much the exact same way. So um I would like to see I would I would like to see them mix it up I, I, I don't think it has to be so black and white where it's like okay yeah now it's Randall's turn with the bench unit for the next 15 games or, or, or whatever I think I think in a in like a perfect world game to game it, it'd be different depending on who has it going or if you need to get this guy a little bit more touches because he's been struggling I, I would love to see it be a little bit more of a free-flowing decision
1: are you suggesting Tibbs be
2: flexible how dare I right
0: like <laughs> yeah no, I mean yeah Tibbs is, like, that's always been his issue that's his biggest issue is that is the rotation rigidity like even schematic rigidity like I think it's sometimes a little bit overblown he think he's definitely been more flexible this year but like mm-hmm. yeah the, the rotation stuff is really really. I mean that's and that's really what we're like that's the main frustration right when it comes to like I got like quickly's minutes where you're like, dude, like w- w- the only reason he's not playing more is almost because of this kind of like bizarre fixation on like, no, my starters have to play X amount of minutes together. And then the bench guys can come in and then from there we'll see what happens. But like once you start up like when you're basically saying like the first seven to nine minutes of each half, my starters will be the starters and that will not change. Like that's a problem. And it, it's honestly like kind of crazy when you compare it to um Almost every other coach you go up against, I feel like every team we play, other teams are making subs much before that point in the game or that point in the half. And it's like when Tibbs refuses to, it's really, really frustrating. Um, Ariel, you wrote a piece on the Knicks defense uh, that you dropped yesterday on your sub stack. Uh, Yesterday was a better defensive effort, um, but are you still pretty concerned about kind of like their ability to kinda of hold the hold the line on here a little bit without Mitchell Robinson?
2: I, I still I'm s i am I still have concerns. I, I think where they're really struggling is, is when they when opposing teams have like a ball handler who like consistently gets two on the ball. And now you're like really dependent on like Randall and Brunson and, and RJ or whoever's on the floor to really nail those rotations. Um and then you don't have the safety net behind you and Mitchell Robinson. Um I think LeBron obviously is someone who can get two to the ball, but it's kind of different than like Devin Booker drawing to, to the ball, um, just in terms of like the shot making ability and, and the three-point shooting like aspect, the pull-up um aspect of it. So I, I still have a lot of concerns. I, I think the positive signs from yesterday, outside of the fact that they um held the Lakers to pretty, what was it, 106, which is you look you take that every single night. Um, I think that they they fouling a lot less during that little six game stretch where the defense really slid. Um, they were fouling a lot more. Um They were rebound. They finished possessions. They were. They grabbed a bunch of defensive rebounds yesterday. I think the Lakers only had like nine offensive rebounds, and that's a team that really like punishes you inside for the most part. Um, So that was that was nice to see. But I also think that has to do with playing Hartenstein like forty minutes. Um, But overall, I I think where my concern is with the starting lineup. um, If Sims is somehow healthy and ready to play um, against Brooklyn on Wednesday. I'd be concerned. I'd still be concerned just about the level of defense that kind of requires Sims to be that number one, like your best defender in the starting lineup. That's very concerning to me. I don't think Dante is a is a point of attack defender. I think he's much better off the ball, where he can kind of jump passing lanes, and you can see him make these kind of really good anticipatory like rotations and reads. Um, so I, I'm still, I, it still feels like the bench and the starting lineup are like unbalanced right now, just in terms of like as currently constructed, all four of your best defenders are coming off the bench. Hartenstein, Hart, um, Grimes, and Quickly. So I, I think you need to get at least two of those guys into the starting lineup, um, whether it's Quickly or Grimes for the shooting guard position. And then keep obviously Hartenstein, I'm a big proponent for starting him. But um, I think going forward, I mean, their defense is really going to be tested. They got Brooklyn, and then they got the two games against Milwaukee, who has kind of really lit them up because Lillard's ability to draw two onto the ball and they've also benefited from some hot shooting from like Malik Beasley in those games um, and Marjan mm-hmm. Bullchamp. But, um, yeah, just overall... Yeah, uh, I, I guy, slightly... Who is the white guy? Uh, AJ, yeah,
1: AJ Green. <laughs> AJ Green. AJ Green. How could I forget yes, that yeah, yeah,
2: That's yeah. the so craziest. Just... That's so crazy. Not your
1: older brother's AJ Green,
2: to say <laughs> yeah Um, But, yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely still slightly concerned. I want to see them like keep this kind of defensive infrastructure going on for a couple of games. Um, I do think they kind of did give up a lot of threes yesterday. And, like, if Torian Prince is, like, 6 of 13 instead of, like, 3 for 13, maybe it's a completely different game. Um, But at the same time, I mean, if Torian Prince is taking 13 threes, it's probably, like, your your defense is probably doing a good job of, like, funneling shots to him. Um, But, yeah, I'm still kind of looking out to see. But cautiously optimistic after last game. Um, It's definitely, like, a positive sign in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I just to, to kind of add on that, I, I would say um, I am a little concerned if DiVincenzo is going to start next game. Um, you know, who matches up? I mean, Cam Thomas is healthy, right? So, uh, you know, he is exactly the kind of player who's given uh, DiVincenzo trouble. Um, I think that we've talked a lot about Quickly's defense and we were just a little critical of Tibbs, so I'll say this. I think that, um, you know... The the opinions on Quickly's defense vary. I do think like, I'm not sure he would, I, I think he's a really smart player. He'd be good defensively in any scheme. I think the level of impact he's able to have is a product a little bit of how the scheme and what it rewards really more than anything else. Because mm-hmm. um, we think of Tibbs as like this hard-nosed, physical, effort-based coach, but a lot of this is about kind of being able, you, you mentioned RJ plays at the scheme, right? Guys who can play above the scheme, you need that if you can have Randall and Brunson in your lineup, right? Because they, on their best nights, are just scraping the the bottom of that. By the way, for Brunson, I felt really bad that AD lob um that he like broke up, but AD still made it. I felt... <laughs> you could tell how disheartened he was. He was like, "Man, I did my job." Um, I'm, uh... i I'm. To me, I, I will say, like, I think,
0: like, I don't think that was an accident. Like, I think AD adjusted yeah. to Brunson tipping it. They because they showed it from the alien.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, they showed it from the reverse angle. So you could see Brunson tip it first. And then you can see AD like swat at it too. And I was it just was like, like a volleyball like, yeah. Locker. It was, but yeah, that was, that was a really good. Cause I think what they, that cut the lead to eight. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like a real, you felt like if you get a stop there and a score, the game is over. That's what it felt like. And then for them to score that way, you're like, are you fucking kidding me?
1: Um, but so I, I'll, I'll say this also like, I was thinking about this yesterday a little bit. There's like 100, 200 level defense, which is, as you said, playing at the scheme, right? You do your job. You have an understanding of what your role is. And there's like maybe 300 level defense where you're like, you know, you understand not just your job, but you understand what everyone else's jobs are, right? And then I think there's like graduate level defense where you're like, you not only understand what everyone's jobs are, you understand the philosophy and you can, you can execute. So you can execute your job. You can execute, um, you know what the team execution looks like. We also know philosophically when the team execution maybe is what the the offense wants, or it's playing into something that you hadn't planned for. How can you adapt? Right. And I think the guys that they've targeted in free agency, the guys that they really like, who've had the most impact do that Hart is a guy who you're never going to, it's never going to scream lockdown defender. But he is a guy who's that's why he's racked up so many steals over his course of his career. That's why he's so great at defensive rebounding. The ability to to adapt and not just say this is our jobs, this is like what we're trying to accomplish. This is this is what it's like supposed to look like. Quickly is an expert at that. Um, I think you need at least one of those guys, and and Mitch is like that too. By the way, like I think Mitch has never probably gotten credit for how cerebral he is on defense because he's kind of a let's be, let's face it, a goofy guy who posts you know funny shit on, on TikTok or whatever. But he, he's a very smart defender. He can adapt. He's very adaptable, right? That's really the word I'm looking for here. Uh, and I think you just, especially with, with, um, around guys like, and, and Brunson has aspects of that too. He's just, you know, there's only, only so much he can do. Um, I, I mean, and people blame the scheme for, for giving up a lot of threes, but that's kind of the point. I don't think it's just that Tibbs wants to, he's fine with threes as opposed to layups. It is that he relies on guys being able to make those closeouts and stunt and kind of play that game of chicken with shooters who maybe aren't that comfortable. Like, oh, my, is he closing out? Is he attacking, right? Win those kind of rock, paper, scissors, shoots battles. Those are the guys who are most effective. Because you look at Tibbs' career. He had Jimmy. He had guys like Luol Deng. (coughs) He's often like the best defenders, you know, besides Jimmy, have often been guys who are like Joakim Noah was 6'10 maybe on a good day. He wasn't like, he wasn't the freakiest athlete. He wasn't like the biggest dude, but he was an extremely, like he got, he got those things. And I think that's what that starting lineup and, and Grimes had that. Um Mitch had that with Mitch out, especially you need one of those guys in there. And I don't think, and I think DiVincenzo can do that, but he's also the on ball. The point of attack stuff next to Brunson is a little bit too much. Maybe that'll be true with quickly too. Um, but I, I think that I, I don't see DiVincenzo staying in the starting lineup too much longer, or, you know, I think they'll, they're will they eventually going to have to adapt to that to Ariel's point. Um,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's like the thing with Mitch too, is I, he's just bigger. So like it, it makes him, it's a huge deal. I mean, we saw this yesterday, even like, when you saw Sims next to AD to start this game, I was like, Oh my fucking God, this is going to be awful. And there was that one possession where AD just backed him down for like 10 feet. Right. And gets a foul. But once Hartenstein came in, you could like, look, obviously look, you're never going to stop AD. Right. Like fucking the guy lit up last year in the Western conference finals, even right. Uh, against Jokic. But like, you're not going to stop him. Um, but you need to make it a challenge. You need to have an impact. And like, you could just see visibly when hartenstein came in you're like okay this this looks this looks like an actual center matchup here so yeah i mean they definitely miss a lot in terms of like mitch's ability not just to execute the scheme to your point but to like play above it and and impact it in the way that it needs to like if you're going to play this scheme you need to have this level of rim protector who you know impacts opponents x percent whatever the fuck that is um sims just cannot do it like if if you're gonna start sims then you really need to totally rethink how you want to what you want your base defensive scheme to be there's stuff he can do you know he's a really good switch defender for a big guy uh he he's he can he can show and recover he can do he can play the more aggressive schemes but you got to be willing to do it and the other and the problem is and i get why tibbs doesn't want to is he doesn't trust the other guys. He doesn't trust Julius. He doesn't trust Brunson. He doesn't trust RJ necessarily. But he doesn't trust those guys to do all the things that you need to be need to do and be on a string consistently um, to execute those schemes. So it's kind of like a really weird decision that he's gone with and, 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 and stuck with. And the, the funny thing is, too, and I'll just – I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. If you look at Jericho Sims' career numbers, okay, uh, and you just go to his – you know, on-court, on-off data or whatever. He played one season. His first season is the only season he's even come close to grading out as an on-court positive. He was a plus 7.9 on the floor and a plus 8.9 on-off. I would pretty much say that in large part, that is because he came off the bench. So one, he's naturally not playing against opposition centers as much, or starting centers as much. Two get like he played more with guys who can one cover for him, but two also you can play way more aggressive schemes. Like you can be more aggressive with Sims. He wasn't playing with Kemba and Fournier. Right. When you, when you're playing with quickly, when you're playing with Burks, right. When you're playing with Deuce at that time, when you're playing with Grimes at that time, Grimes was getting minutes off the bench at that time. Like all of a sudden, now you have guys that can cover for you and you can unlock these different things that he can do. Um, and 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 it's it's kind of like I, – I, I feel really bad for him again because I just think this weird thing of Tibbs being like, well, no, I don't want to mess up the bench, so I'm going to start Sims. It puts him in a bad position. It makes him look really bad. Like he's looked really bad the last couple of years when he's played because it's like, dude, he's not built to just fucking execute drop coverage and like cover for Randall and Brunson and all this shit. Like he, that's not what he can do. But what he can do, and, and especially now that Grimes is coming off the bench, if that's what you want to do, it makes it even more frustrating because I'm like, this is literally, you have the opportunity to play a lineup that fucking kicked ass a couple years ago coming off the bench. Why would you not want to do that? And and like you have the potential to strengthen your starting lineup and not give up much off the bench. And like, not even trying that because you're just like, no, Harnstein's too good in his role. I don't want to fuck up my rotations or anything like that. Like, That just seems absurd to me. I I don't get it. And it's like, look, it will be really annoying if Sims can't go on Wednesday and he starts like Taj because he's like, no, I just got it. Hardenstein, he has not not started a single game for the Knicks. And Jericho Sims, Jericho Sims, he has started 26 games for his career. Guess how many games for his career Emmanuel quickly started?
1: There's, like, one less than that, right? Yeah, it's 27. Yeah.
0: Like, th- these are just, like... Obviously, they don't play the same position, but that should never be the case. It's crazy. Just just start Hartenstein. This is not, like... This is really not that complicated. He's a way better player. He's way better suited to playing against better players and bigger players.
1: Uh, and the other thing is, like... I. He also and he also is going to end up playing twenty minutes in a row. By the way, right? right? Yeah. I mean, and obviously, Mm -hmm. yesterday Sims was hurt, but it ends up in that same thing where he's coming off the bench, but he's like, okay, we can't take him out though. He's clearly better than Sims, so just plays the rest of the half. And that's especially tax. I mean, it's one thing for for quickly who's you know smaller and you know not as heavy, but I mean that I am worried about that. If Hartenstein's going to have to carry that kind of load, um, at that size and play that hard until Mitch is back that's a little concerning.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It feels like the Sims starting Sims is doing like a disservice to the team and to the player Sims. It just doesn't, I don't, I don't see the benefit of it. It's, it's too much responsibility. It's too much. You're, you're asking him to be something that he isn't. And that he's shown throughout his NBA career. He isn't. One of the first things I noticed when he like um, came into the NBA was that like his, his positioning and drop is like pretty poor. He's either too high up or he's too far back. And then, you know, he's, he also squ- like, he's also
0: super square all the time. Like, he's yeah, straight yeah. up. And he's, he doesn't have a good wingspan, really, right? So it's like,
1: yeah. 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 oh Daddy But where he drives is mm-hmm. on the He has a 7'3 wingspan, so it's it's reasonable. But... Oh, okay. okay. He just, um, but, but, yeah, he just looks he's... small, man. First center, anyway. I could bench yeah. press more than him. I mean, he's, probably, he's <laughs> the same height as Julius, probably, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Jul- Julius honestly looks, like, bigger than yeah.
2: him. I don't know. Probably because he plays bigger than him, it feels like. Yeah, but, but yeah, I get your point. Yeah, I, I just yeah, like, I, I think if you're gonna play Sims, you you, you kind of have to be like more willing to do like switching stuff and, and allowing him to like kind of flex his like lateral speed. Um, I don't know, and, know, and it's clear that I, Tibbs knows that because he played but, him at the four last season.
0: Yeah, and he knows that too because that's what made him good his rookie season. Where I was like, wow, like Nick's really found something with this guy because he's like he can run these schemes that like you know, as Mitch is getting bigger and is more like a lumbering dude now, you can't have him switch out all the time and fucking aggressively like show and recover and all these things. Like you just can't do it with him. So he, and he knows it. Like there was a game against Brooklyn that year, his rookie year where he closed with Sims over Mitch because he was like, they kept trying to, they were trapping KD so he'd give up the ball and then Sims would have to go recover back to his man. And it's like, Mitch can't do that shit, right? Like Mitch can't be like seven feet behind the arc trapping kd and then like run back to his man and like not fucking have a heart attack on the floor or something just asking way too much of him sims can do that like because he moves that well he's fluid he's a really good athlete um and the other part with him about in drop like he has no vertical when he's backpedaling he has none like he, he has no vertical there and he can't hold like he's a big dude he can't like he for whatever reason he just gets overpowered very easily in those situations so like you know i just feel i feel i feel bad for him um and the other part too with Hartenstein starting is like Hartenstein adds value offensively that sims won't and like sims is a pretty decent ball handler like he for a big guy he is actually a pretty decent ball handler mm-hmm. he's not really like a great passer though and he's a good he's a good screen setter but he's not really a great passer so he can't really leverage some of that stuff um he's a good offensive rebounder it's not a great one and like so much of that starting lineups kind of ethos was built on this like we're gonna win the possession battle thing and we'll just put up shots and Mitch will clean up the glass at a historic level and like that's how we can kind of game the system even if we're not shooting that well like Sims just being good instead of the best offensive in the league that's a really big difference and like you're not getting as much offensively out of that group either so I would like I think Hartenstein gives you value on both ends that sims doesn't get give you hartenstein's a really good offensive rebounder but he's also like you know he he is a good screen setter and he's also just a good passer i mean that pass he had to quick in the corner yesterday uh for that relocation three was crazy that was like through his legs he dropped that through so um you know those are the things that you get with hartenstein i mean he had that one play that short roll where he dumped it off to randall that was like probably, I mean, I think that's one of the best passes I've ever seen him make. That was a really, really impressive play. Um, but, like, that's the shit you can get from him that you're not going to get from Sims, on top of the defense. So, like, there's really just... I, I just don't see any argument at this point that, like, Sims should be starting over him when healthy. Um, I think it hurts your chances of winning basketball games. And, look, if the point is to win back like, that's what the point is, right? Like, that's what we're trying to do, is win as many games as we can. Like, Come on, this this does not this is not a hard decision. This is a this is a fucking layup. And Tim's just gotta take it. Like I I, I understand his logic, but like in this case, the the trade-off is just not worth it at all.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you can't start Harenstein until he like completes one of those behind the back passes in the paint that he's been trying to do for like three games or
0: <laughs> so those those two they were crazy. I was like he had no angle on them. There was like three guys. That were just I, couldn't I was actually, I honestly was shocked that Tibbs didn't pull him, especially after the second time he did it. I was like, really? Yeah. Like, that yeah. was
1: such a stupid play. Then. You're testing me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking do it again. Um, you yeah, know, I, I think that, um, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty obvious thing. And I expect it to happen. Um, that, you know, they might couch it with Sims being injured. Um, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Um, Nick Claxton's pretty good. I'm not really excited to see Sims try to defend him. So uh, I think the sooner that change happens, the better. Um, You know, we've talked about, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, a lot of the guys talk a lot about quickly, a lot about Randall. Um, You know, Brunson kind of started the game a little bit slow, didn't have his best passing game maybe, um, although he had that one laser to quickly late. Uh, it didn't result in an assist, but it was, it was a really nice pass. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw this to you, Ariel, just because of all the conversations around, you know, the Knicks, you know, don't have a guy like Tatum or like, you know, the top offensive options. I felt for a while that, like, especially during the stretch when their, their defense has just been atrocious, that hasn't really been the issue, right? Having a quote-unquote closer, right? We saw Brunson was going at, defensive player of the year caliber player and 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 not just him like their whole lebron has been playing really well on defense too really good help defender reeves is a really good help defender cam reddish has been pretty effective on ball they tried him on brunson no avail really um my contention is that like at least in terms of having a, a number one star level scoring option in the playoffs that shouldn't be the concern right now
2: right um, I, I'm kind of there. Um, I, I think I tweeted this like a week ago where I said, like, you know, like regardless of where you rank Brunson, um, I, I think that he's proven that in any game in a, or in any series that he's capable of like being the best player in, in a game or a series. Um, I, I think offensively his shot-making ability, and, and he still hasn't even like kind of gotten to where he was last year from inside the arc, but o- offensively in terms of shot-making, like there's very few players that are – are able to, like, get to their own shots against the level of defenders that he's facing. He's always being guarded by, like, the 6'8", freakishly long wing, and he's still able to, like, just literally create angles, like, out of nowhere. And um, and now that he's kind of expanded his game beyond the arc, and, and not only is he comfortable making it, but, like, it's a shot that he looks for now. I think it really kind of expands, like, what he's able to do. I, I think... There's some more passing angles available to him this season that, that weren't there last year because of how higher up defenses have to play him. He made a pass last night. Um
0: want to quick quickly.
2: Play. Yeah, it was filthy. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. And and he's made a couple of those this year. Like they kind of come randomly, and you're just like, whoa, like he made a skip pass across the corner. And, and it's really tough at his size to to kind of see those angles, which is why kind of you don't see those lobs that he throws. He very very rarely throws lobs like Mitch, and there's a lot of frustration with that. But um, I, I think when the Knicks are looking for kind of a star talent, I don't think it's because of, like, they need a, a quote-unquote closer because I think Brunson has kind of proven that he is that. Um, I think what they're looking for is someone kind of more – this is going to come off as a shot to Randall, but, like, kind of gives you more of, like, a stable of, like, okay, you know what you're getting. Um I think with Randall, we kind of know what we're getting from him in the regular season, even if it looks different season to season. Um, I I think just in the playoffs, there there isn't that confidence of like, okay, this is what Randall is going to be, and and you're going to get this level of production. Because I I think if you had that confidence in Randall, I think your outlook on what the Knicks' playoff chances are would be a lot more higher than they are. I think a lot of the like, oh, well, the Knicks are like a second-round exit at max. A lot of that conversation, I think – comes from the fact that people aren't confident that Julius Randle can maintain like his all NBA, all-star level play in the playoffs. Because I think if if you do get that level of Julius in the playoffs, I think they have like a pretty good chance against not, not any team. I still think Boston is significantly better. You know, um Milwaukee, Milwaukee's been a little bit iffy this season, but I still think they have you give them the benefit of the doubt. You no know, doubt. The thing is they, they just um, score against everybody
0: now. Milwaukee's like averaging yeah. 140 fucking game. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, they kind of just flipped the switch on who they were from last year. Um completely opposite. Um but yeah, they've
1: been playing fantastic basketball. yeah, yeah.
2: Um I saw their game yesterday, it completely destroyed Indiana. Um but yeah, I just think I, I don't know. I, I still I I think that when they make their move for whoever whoever ends up being the star guy that they've been targeting for years, I, I don't think it comes with the idea of like, oh, it's because we need a closer. I think it's we need we need we need Brunson to have someone who's there with him when it like matters, you know, just to have another option out there, another guy who creates another guy who draws defenses. Um, so that defenses just aren't like doing what Miami did to Brunson last season where they were just like, okay, someone else beat us. And as we saw, nobody else could. And, and it was just Brunson going insane for, for, what, six games. So,
1: So if we see the version of Randall that we saw last night, does that change your mind a little bit on that?
2: Um in terms of what? Uh, change my mind in terms of like the Knicks needing a star or
1: yeah, like can Br- can Randall be that guy that you just described
2: if he plays the way he does. Oh last night? I, I think so. I think I think if Randall proves to be that guy this year and let's say he's he's essentially who he was last night over a playoffs here over over the playoffs, I think that what that does is you kind of look at the roster completely different. Because I think like in terms of a long term view, I think Brunson is like your one like, okay, yeah, this guy is gonna be here. I think Randall and RJ and quickly, I think they for different reasons, they all kind of have their sort of question marks. I think people question whether quickly whether you should pay that much for a guy who's coming off the bench. Um there's another small guard when you already have a small guard in Brunson, who's your main guy. I think Randall has the playoff question marks and I think RJ has like the inconsistency factor where he kind of doesn't really do the role player things you would want next to a Randall and a a Brunson. Um, So I I think it becomes less about acquiring like another star, which even though it would still be nice, I think it becomes more about retooling the roster to bring even more out of Brunson and Randall because for, for, for all the Knicks have done in the past few years, which I think they've done an awesome job of bringing in young talent. um, I think, you can argue that this team still isn't optimally built to get the, the very best version of Brunson to get the very best version of Randall on a night-to-night basis. I think Mitchell Robinson, for example, is a great, is, is the perfect, like kind of who's emblematic of this, where Mitch Robinson is awesome. I don't think there's anybody who's higher on him than, than me. Um, but you kind of see it even in the six games that he's been or seven now, I think that he's been out. It, it's the offense. Looks a lot like smoother. There isn't someone kind of camping under the basket, you know, trying to grab all these offensive rebounds, which obviously does have value. We know it has value, but it's it's him not being in the paint, not camping under the basket. Right. The, the value
0: the value is for him. It 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 actually doesn't amplify anything for Randall or Brunson. It it, it and I'm not saying it's it's not net negative. It's obviously not a net negative, mm-hmm. but it's also like that benefits Mitch. That doesn't mm-hmm. benefit randall doesn't benefit brunson um and yeah like like to your point like l- spacing five like the knicks have not had a spacing five for well i don't even know since since okay no that doesn't count <laughs> like like but it's like what it's like literally porzingis right like is that the yeah. only spacing f- like we haven't had a spacing five and i'm not saying like i know these it's easier to say go get a spacing five than actually finding one worth it um, this is why last summer, like me and Stacey talked about this a lot, but like I thought it was worth considering going out to get Porzingis. Um, especially because he is a good defensive player. He's he'd be great. He's great in drop. This, he, he's fucking awesome in this, drop.
2: this version of Porzingis right now, it's is probably the perfect it's center to,
1: yeah, it's, to put alongside
2: Randall and Brunson. Yeah, well, that like, and we were
1: saying that. Remember when Porzingis was still here? I think you had yeah. written about this on PNT. That was who we wanted in free agency, right? To pair with. Before we were going to trade Porzingis, Randall was the guy, right? So this yeah, goes way Randall back. In, yeah,
0: but like it, it they they've always made sense together. And yeah, like this version of Randall and this version of Brunson with Porzingus. yeah, like it's Whatever. I I don't. I I get why they didn't make a move for him, and we'll see what happens. But like, yeah, I. I but they do need to like. And I don't think you need it to be a starting caliber guy that plays fucking thirty minutes tonight, night, but I, you need that option. You, the Knicks don't have an mm-hmm. option, and you got to have an option for that. And I think like like I don't think like Kelly Olynyk is not Christoph Porzingis, but I would be interested in trying to see what if you get him for a couple seconds the deadline or something. I think he gives you something yeah. that you don't have. Like you don't have this option. You don't have a guy that can credibly like play center minutes and has played center minutes. For playoff teams, in the playoffs, like, he, he just gives you a dimension you don't have. And I, I, I'd be interested in, like, kicking the tires on that for a little bit. Um, we'll see. Or maybe you just go get Lauren to marketing. That'd be fun, too. Marketing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think your point, too, is, like, in terms of optimize, if you're going to have Mitch, then you, like, it really needs to be something where the other spacers are immaculate. And, like, you know, Grimes isn't shooting great, but, like, he's a really good shooter. Teams are not going to leave him alone. DiVincenzo has proven himself to be a really good shooter, right? Quickly is a really good shooter, whatever. Like, Josh Hart, not a great shooter, but I think he just gives you so much value in so many other ways you can live with it. But, like, that that's why I am intrigued by, like, oh, yeah, marketing in at three or something. Like, I don't know. I, I think that would be... Yeah, I, that I would was, do it. The
1: report yesterday was that Danny Ainge is going to try to ask for a pound of flesh. So
2: his uh, yeah, I mean, round picks or something.
0: Yeah, I and mean, look, I at some point though, like I I appreciate patience and prudence and all that stuff that they've done, but like you gotta take a shot on somebody. And like if you're going to continue with Brunson and Randall, right? If these two guys are like you're they're part of your program or whatever the fuck you want to call it, I can't think of a guy like you're not gonna get prison gifts anymore, right? So that's off the board. What there's no spacing fives you're gonna find that's at that level, so you then you need a three or somebody in the front court that is just like a lights out shooter that teams have to honor out there forever and is not ball dominant, and that is literally Lauri Markkinen.
1: That is Lauri yeah. Markkinen.
0: And like I mean, yeah, you could.
1: Do you worry about building a defense without Randall? No, no. Markkinen and Brunson
0: really. I, look, I I well, no I do worry about it, but here's my thing: if we're talking about like swapping out RJ for Markkinen. I I 100 stand like I do think RJ's played better defense this year. Like, can we be real? What is is Markkinen actually a worse defender than R.J. Barrett? I don't think so, and he's a much better defensive rebounder. So like, to me, the question is not about like again. The point is, if you want, if you're gonna, if you're committed to this Brunson Randall thing, then you've got to make a move somewhere, right? It has to be on the wing, basically. Mm-hmm. Is Markkinen perfect? Uh, probably not. Is he? The ideal exact piece that you'd want next to no—that's Paul George. That's probably why they kicked the tires on Paul George last summer. But like, he's played the three. Offensively, there should not be an issue in terms of he's like a he's a really non-ball dominant scorer, which is what you want next to these guys. He's clearly capable of spacing the floor. Like, I, I don't know. To me, if you're going to take a shot, like this is a guy to take a shot at. I I really strongly believe that, and if Danny Ainge is asking for a pound of flesh, fine. But guess what? Like, you 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 chose to follow this path of like we want to be good, and then when somebody get, becomes available that we believe in, we're gonna be then be willing to like chuck the boat at them, right? I don't I don't think Embiid's gonna become available, buddy. Like that, I think that ship sailed. I really do, um, and I don't care. I, I don't think. I, I Minnesota's playing out of their fucking minds right now. Like, really? if they
1: make, can you send yeah. a video of it?
0: <laughs> but if you, <laughs> <clears throat> uh but like you 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 would think that if, if that team makes a second round, even a, com- or a conference finals, like there's probably no chance They're, they'll probably just bite the bullet and figure out how to pay for the team, whatever it is. But I just can't see Cat going anywhere in that scenario. Okay. So, and if even if you did trade for cat, I mean, the cat Randall thing would be something to behold, but like, I, I don't know, man. Markinen's 26, he's just entering his prime. He actually has played the three, he's played in big lineups and been effective in big lineups. He's a good defensive rebounder. I don't know. I, I just think that's kind of a good, Something kind of a no brainer to me.
2: Um, I, I'm kind of with you. I think another rated aspect of it too is just having another seven footer, the kind of like mismatches yeah. you'll just create. Like, imagine having to choose between putting your big wing on Randall or Lowry. And then, like, it, it just creates, like, those two would be able to play off each other so well, I believe. Um, I, I think, too, another thing about Low- Lowry was that when he was in Cleveland, they actually, like, weirdly had him do some, like, point of attack stuff, which he was actually pretty good at for, like, a guy his size. That's which cool. I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah, he moves really well, which I'm not saying that he'd come to the Knicks and he's, like, this lockdown, like, defender that they needed, big wing defender. But <laughs> I, I do think that there is something to be said about when a guy has proven to be, like, part of a good defense and, and is, like, actively contributing to that. I think it spells a lot that, like, he's probably, like, able to, like, raise up a level, especially, like, in a playoff environment. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Lowry Martin is the kind of guy that, that the Knicks should be looking at. Um, He's a guy I'd be willing to go all in for just because you mentioned that He's, like, this really, like, low-usage star. Just, like, all of his shots are coming, like, off the ball. He, he, he's not a guy who's, like, yeah, give me my 20 touches a game. This is how I need to, like, create. Um, And, and again, I, I think the aspect of him being seven feet with that kind of, like, shot-making ability, the way that, like, transforms the court. Like, you see it with Boston and how Porzingis has kind of, like, altered the, like, dimensions of the court for, like, that offense. I think Lowry kind of brings that same element uh, in that sense, too. And, and, and you, you just, can see how like, go ahead. I finished it quickly. Um, just like how Utah has kind of like built their offense around like his movement and his ability to move at his size is a lot of fun as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, and like, look, maybe that's something where Tibbs would need to definitely uh, add some movement into the offense. But like, you can't not get a quality player for like what he does like then it's on tips you know what i mean like then it's on tips to bring the talent out but the final thing i'll say because i know we gotta get out of here um is also that like if you get marking in you actually like i'm not saying you can you know fucking start marking in at the five and randall the four, and but like you have that option now of actually going five out and when randall is out you don't necessarily lose size because you can just slot marking in at the four. so like i just i i don't really see the the downside of making some big all in type trade for Markkinen is that you would be all in, right? Like so like this is your team more or less. So now you're working the margins. But like I don't actually and and I guess there's a debate of like, is that a championship team? Do you have a championship ceiling or whatever? It's a fair question to ask. But like I think that team becomes really dangerous. Um if you're giving if like if the trade is like, let's just say it's like RJ and all your picks and, like, you throw in Deuce McBride or some shit like that, like, I think that team is very fucking dangerous as assembled right now. And I would suggest that you probably still have ability to make trades down the line with guys like DiVincenzo with his contract, Hart on his contract, quickly, presumably if you kept him on his contract. Like, I think you still have options. So I I would be fine with it, and I, I honestly think the Knicks should... Like, I don't think these reports for Laurie Markin are out there for no reason. Like, if they didn't if Utah really did not want to trade him at all, these, these reports wouldn't be out there. So if they're out there, I a hundred percent believe that Danny Ainge would at least consider it. And maybe he just is watching the team this year and he thinks like their time horizon is just like way further out than he initially anticipated. I don't know, but um yeah, I, I would definitely consider that. Though his injury stuff is a little bit concerning, although I'm not sure if some of that is like Utah soft tanking a lot of time whatever so we'll see um stacy any final thoughts
1: uh no um yeah that pretty much said it i would uh be very interested and the last thing i'll add is yeah like Markin also has some positional versatility so you can play him you know the defense can be great but you can play him four or five next to randall right you can bring in another wing or you know if you keep grimes you play him there keep a guy like Hart. Um, and I think that that's something that they're going to need to have. And maybe it's just a th- tips thing where uh, your identity, but the thing beyond star powered stuff is the teams that win have multiple ways to attack and can sh- shift their lineups, right? They have different ways to play you. And the Knicks are going to have to find some of those, um, whether or not they trade for a guy like and just that versatility um and having something in your back pocket because you're going to play all kinds of teams in the playoffs you're going to, have to play teams that are going to make their own adjustments right we saw that with spolstra um i think that's another dimension that he offers as well
2: yeah uh, I, yeah yeah i was just going to add to that i think that uh, another thing and just kind of philosophical i'll make it quick it's just like i think there's there is an issue with like the way that Rando and rj both kind of like are very low, like stocks guys. They don't really like provide any kind of like weak side room protection, like off the ball. I, I think I think that Lowry kind of does bring an element of like a weak side room protector and out that with his size. I'd love to see what that would look like if you have Mitch, for example, with, in this lineup, in this hypothetical lineup. Um, also having like a weak side room protection protector next to him, which we've kind of never seen Mitch play with, I believe. Just missing mm-hmm. someone. But I think that'd be like a fun kind of element that would be able that's the Knicks to
0: play around with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, all right. Uh, Ariel, thank you so much for coming on. Let's be more where they can find you and uh, plug anything that you'd like to plug.
2: Um, yeah, you guys can just follow me on Twitter at Um I've been doing a little bit more writing lately on my sub stack. Just write about like kind of whatever's on my mind at the time or whatever's kind of like an interesting angle going on with the Knicks. Um,
0: but yeah, other than that, anything I'm doing is on my Twitter, so. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Ariel, again, uh, for coming on and everybody should check out a Substack. uh, very good stuff on there. Uh, Stacy, let's like know where they can find you. Plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh,
1: Stacy Patton, 89, um, I'll plug, um, all the great work at the Strickland. Um, for those interested in the draft, I'll plug this again. Prez just dropped a piece um on uh, a look at some of the prospects that might be there um so if and when the knicks make this big trade i would imagine they will try to at least hold on to something in this draft if possible uh because they will need to re- replenish and uh, as we've talked about there are some places where they could beef up or uh, add to the roster so and, and Prez is always great on the draft so definitely check it out um
0: yes uh, I will be checking that out. Uh, I have, uh, I don't need to plug myself, so I'm going to just plug all the work that Strickland, check out all the pods, uh, check out the work that uh, Tyrese, Sam, and Jeff are doing on the rundown, uh, on the post-game shows, um, and uh, check out the recaps that Miranda keeps, uh, you know, he drops some gems in there. you will never read from anywhere else. I promise you that. Uh, all right. That is our show for today. I hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday.